Hey, beloved, welcome to the Own Your Intuition podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Rich. I'm an energy medicine practitioner and educator, psychic medium, and intuitive soul reader. I work with people all over the world through my ongoing online offerings, including my bespoke intuitive readings. My hope with my work and with this show is to educate you and empower you to take charge of your well being, raise your vibration trust your intuition, and connect with the presence of loving guidance that is always around you. You can expect personal stories, phenomenal guest speakers, tips, tricks, and how-tos on all things health, wellness, and spirituality. To schedule your next one-on-one intuitive reading, mentorship, or energy medicine session, or to register for an upcoming event, training, or course, head to kellyrichintuitive.com and stay connected with me on Instagram at kellyrichintuitive. Hi, beloved. This week, I have a friend of mine, Justine Miller, on the podcast talking about Ayurveda, women's, and mental health. When I went to Ayurveda school in 2017, I learned so much about my basic nature as a human being, but also my nature as a light being. Ayurveda really woke up my senses in ways that Other topics I explored in science barely touched. And for those of you that are new to this concept of Ayurveda or wondering what Ayurveda is, Ayurvedic medicine is the oldest practicing medicine in the world, originates in India, and is the sister science to yoga. A part of the foundations of Ayurveda are the five elements, which is what everything on the earth, on the planet is made up of. Earth, water, fire, air, and ether. Now, what makes things different is is how much of these elements are present within them, right? So when you're looking at a rock compared to a candle flame, right, it's pretty obvious that the candle flame is mostly fire and that the rock has mostly, depending, I guess, on the type of rock, earth element in it, just as an example. But people have these elements within them as well. And when you get to know the elements, you're really getting to know yourself. And what makes you different than me or someone else is how these elements are being expressed, how they make up your constitution as a human and as a being. We will explore these elements along with ceremonies around them in the upcoming group mentorship beginning on April 22nd. And at the time of this intro recording, there are only a couple spaces left. So over the course of six months together, you'll really have the opportunity to connect with your intuition. Yes, of course. Step into your power, gain confidence in your own intuitive abilities and in your divine feminine essence. We have 12 Yes, 12 live group sessions together where I will be intimately connecting with your guides to really create our time together. So it's really curated, especially for you. Some days I will lecture and introduce topics to you like Ayurvedic medicine, herbal bath ceremonies, awakening your voice, tapping into the wisdom of the womb, intuition, mediumship, psychic gifts, the Akashic records. Ah, so much. And you'll experience guided channel journeys, which are something that 
I started sharing not too long ago where it's these it's kind of like guided meditation scripts, but not quite the same where you're really journeying to different layers of your consciousness or perhaps you're traveling to other dimensions where you are able to receive information and then bring it back to your current reality as a human being. And hopefully you use that information to then either change your life or to incorporate something into your daily life, or there's tools that will be revealed to you. It's really, really special experience. And we'll sing, we'll celebrate, we'll talk to each other, which I feel like is something that we need right now. We need this connection to gather in groups with like-minded people and people who might have had different experiences than us or different beliefs than us, and we can learn from them. So come, awaken the wisdom within you and join us in this sacred space. You can secure one of the last spots in the Own Your Intuition Group mentorship by heading to kellyrichintuitive.com today. I look forward to spending this special time with you and holding space for you to really own your power and step into your intuition as a confident woman. All right. Here's this week's episode on Ayurveda with Justine and I. Enjoy. Thank you, Kelly, for having me. Um, my name is Justine Miller, and I'm an Ayurvedic lifestyle educator and yoga teacher. And um, I did all of my training at the Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health as well. And I'm just really grateful to be here and chat Ayurveda and the ways in which it's been so supportive in life and how to navigate through the changing seasons. From my understanding, you can tell me this is incorrect, but we met on Instagram, pretty sure. Yes. Because you had gone to Ayurveda school the year before me. Mm-hmm. And I think it was the dean, I think it was Aaron Casperson, who was like following you or was talking about you or somehow you came on my radar. I asked you about Ayurveda school and you really gave me your time and energy and shared authentically and honestly with me. And now here we are sitting together. Was that like four years ago, three years ago? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And you feel just like a kindred spirit. So I think it's important to tell everybody that because it is possible to meet people that have similar interests as you, even though we've actually never met in person, which I don't think is going to be a forever thing. I do trust that we will connect in person eventually. Yes, Yes, Um, I agree. But yeah, I just think it's cool how we, how we kind of cross paths and how we continue to cross paths. Yes. I loved, um, I love when anyone reaches out, but when you reached out, I, some people you just feel a soul to soul connection and um yeah i'm so glad that we were able to connect and support you on the nudge on your ayurveda journey and and here you are today which is so beautiful to see thank you yeah was, i think journey is a really good word because it's definitely been a journey ayurveda has really taught me about our relationship with food and having that connection to our food and our meals in order for it to nourish us and fuel us uh, in this most supportive way. Yeah. I feel like when I started trying to eat more Ayurvedically, if you will, I started to feel different mentally. I started to 
and not be so anxious. Like there was a time in my life where I was drinking so much green juice. Like I was doing five, seven day juice cleanses where I was feeling guilty if I ate even like steamed veggies for dinner on a juice cleanse. Like the, it, the struggle was real. And I was going to heated vinyasa power yoga five days a week, you know, sometimes even more, sometimes doing two classes a day and having no time for yin yoga, having no time for meditation other than the two minute Shavasana that was included in a 60, 75, 90 minute yoga class. So I was still wondering how come I'm not feeling better? Okay. Yeah. I'm a size two and I look great to everybody on the outside, but on the inside, I'm still anxious on the inside. I still aren't sleeping well. I'm still wanting to use certain vices and Ayurveda really challenged me to look at how harmful those quote unquote healthy things were to me that to, to really live a balanced life for a balanced life for me meant that I had to really ride the changes of nature and the changes within me and that green juice is medicine at times, but green juice in the middle of January in Maine for seven days is likely not going (laughs) to bring me into balance. Maybe my ego Maybe my ego thought that, but it was taking me more outside of myself, these healthy things. And Ayurveda was like, no, 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 no. Like, and maybe not even no, 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 but more of like, can you look at this from a different lens? Can you really get honest with yourself? Which I feel like is a, and you can tell me your experience on this, of people not believing in Ayurveda or not wanting to like go down the road of Ayurveda fully because it's not a quick fix or a quick pill or the thing that people are talking about on mainstream media. It's not in our faces and ads all the time. Like it does something to our psyche to see things advertised all the time. There's so much subtlety to Ayurveda that I feel like not a lot of people are available for. Have you experienced that yourself too? Mm-hmm. I think Ayurveda, although it's become a buzzword in the wellness space, there's still a lot of, I like to say, boots on the ground education that needs to be done of sharing why Ayurveda and and the definition, like how Ayurveda translates to as the wisdom of life, which I just find to be so beautiful, but it does have this esoteric kind of quality, like, whoa, how was the entire wisdom of life encapsulated in this one healing science. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, and so I think for me, Ayurveda has just always made sense. When I started learning about the elements, I get the, the sense too of like, well, what does this mean? How is this going to help me? Um, and, and, and yet when I started to translate the elements to food, like a sweet potato having more earth to it versus kale having more air to it, okay, I can get that. Or restorative yoga being a heavier practice versus hot vinyasa yoga being a more mobile, lighter practice. All right, I can get that. And starting to see the ways in which the elements are translating in our lives, 
and seeing how the, the macro expression in nature is a reflection of the micro within us. I think that's what's helped me and, and some people I've worked with of just taking a step back to come back to the simplicity of it all, which can be the most difficult coming back to simple practices and, and the relationship with nature too, I think. Totally. Because I feel like it's, it becomes organic. It becomes, we we're in charge. Like we become mm-hmm. responsible for our health mm-hmm. rather than just following mm-hmm. something or someone else. Do you feel like Ayurveda has changed your life in the ways of intuition or like helped you to access your intuition or, become more in tune with your relationship to your intuition? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the way that it's done that for me is utilizing the self-care practices and aligning myself with the seasons and nature. It almost feels like a clarity that comes forward of a settling. And so when I do certain things like oil massage or even just drinking hot water is my most favorite medicine. (laughs) Um, And reminding myself of the energy of the seasons when I do that and respect how my body may be showing up or how my energy may be showing up as well with the seasons, the more I feel that I'm able to access my intuition and get clearer messages and guidance rather than feeling clouded when I'm running around a lot and not thinking about what I'm eating or what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, For me, I remember with Ayurveda, I became more sensitive. And I think partially it was because I was traveling to Kripalu. And even though there was so much like studying and, and like you say, like the practicing the boots on the ground in a way, like doing that work, I did have a lot of time to sit with myself, to, to have silence in the middle of the woods and eat in silence. And I feel like through that experience, coupled with what I was learning, had a profound effect on getting to know who and what I really am or was. And through seeing clients, my practice clients that we had to do for clinicals is when I realized that there was really something else going on, which was a catalyst to the work I'm doing now as an intuitive, as a psychic medium. And I think sometimes people wonder like, well, you did all that work with Ayurveda. Why don't you offer? And it's like, no, but I still am. It's still in, it's still my essence. Like when you meet with me, no matter for what it, it's a part of me. It's a part of me and Ayurveda still comes through in the session. So um, I would just say for anyone listening, you know, if you're wanting to connect with your intuition, Ayurveda is a pathway. It's not the pathway, but it is a pathway. And you can hear my experience compared to Justine's like different, but the essence is similar. You know, it's like coming back to ourselves, coming back to ourselves, coming back to ourselves, getting to know ourselves. And it kind of brings me to my next question um, because I feel like our menstrual cycle for those who identify as a woman who have their cycle, it can be another way to access 
ourselves, our intuition, the rhythms in nature and how they're reflected within us, right? I love when my um, menstruation lines up with the moon, with the new moon. I'm like, jackpot! (laughs) (laughs) Score! (laughs) Yes. The new moon, you know, it's all about like going within where the full moon is like celebration and kind of the opposite of menstruation even though sometimes my cycle does line up with the full moon and I'm still like cha-ching this is great too different I think there's different messages and meanings within there but my question to you is how do you feel like women can support themselves ayurvedically around their menstrual cycle and maybe with their intuition as well in a way maybe it is intuitive to welcome in ayurvedic tools um, with certain points of the cycle mm-hmm well, very lovely to speak on right now because I'm getting my period today. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. Um, gosh, I learned more about women's health in my Ayurvedic studies than I ever did in my Western education upbringing. And that's really driven me to share women's health because it breaks my heart It really breaks my heart. It makes me emotional how we're not taught about our bodies and and how normal, quote unquote, normal it is to um, explore contraceptives to control our period. And I didn't even know that my period wasn't a real period on the pill (laughs) Um, back in the day. Like, I just was not taught that. And so... Ayurveda really offers this beautiful, I think, landscape to explore women's health in in our menstrual cycle. And, And something to remember that I think we can forget is that women and men have different hormones. (laughs) you know, we, we speak a lot about, of course, woman can do whatever man can do. And a woman is going to need to take care of herself in ways that a man might not need to. And we could think about our relationship of men and women uh, in regards to hormones as men cycling through their hormones within a 24-hour cycle, much like the sun, and women cycling through about 28 days, much like the moon. And so if we can honor our differences in that aspect, right? Like women, we got like a month of processing and moving through our hormones that are going to show up in different phases versus uh, men's hormones that can really quickly circle through. So I like to look at the menstrual cycle in relationship to the seasons. And I think about the menstruation period as wintertime, as that drawing inward as the slowing down, as honoring vata, the air and ether, honoring and grounding the mobility. And um, and what can happen is I remember too, like just reaching for the pizza and the chips and the chocolate and actually chocolate's pretty good on your, during your menstrual cycle. Um, but, but it's actually time for cleansing. Mm. The body is doing a lot of work to shed and it's detoxing. And so if we can make that job as simple as possible by eating easy to digest foods like kitchery or warming soups and stews um, 
and resting, really honoring the body's need for rest. And I mean, I like to recommend as much control as anyone can to like plan out your cycle and see when your period is predicted to arrive. So you can perhaps plan meetings or uh, gatherings or events around that as best you can too. So the menstruation period, winter really drawing inward, thinking of, of it as a cleansing period of resting. And then the, the follicular phase, so right after the, the, peri the period, I think about as spring, right? It's like coming out of that and there's a little boost of energy and um, it's a good time to try new things and more exercise or working out or new foods. And, and then the ovulatory phase, which is, you know, a really short window, but I think of that as summer too. It's like the the climax of the energy of the season, time to mingle and be around people and go out and, and that voluptuous, right? Like full moon type of energy too. Uh, and then starting to slow it down again, the luteal phase, starting to bring it down, preparing. Uh, so fall, like, right? Like fall is that preparation for winter. It's that beginning to slow down and, and beginning to prepare the, the nest and comfort that we may need as we enter again into our menstrual cycles. So I think of the whole thing as really honoring, you know, the seasons and seeing that relationship and how it's happening within us in that way. I love that. It's so beautiful. I feel like for me too, honoring, honoring that winter has been the hardest, that winter period. Um, at least, I guess, historically speaking, a few years ago, like resting around my period was so hard just because of the lifestyle I had, like studying pre-med and working as a bartender, like to miss class or to call out of work was I was in trouble. What you just shared with the seasons and our cycle, I did not hear that language until I studied Ayurveda. Mm -hmm. I had I went, I mean... I aced through school mostly. And then I went to college and did pretty well there. And not once did I hear this information. And I say that I did pretty well because I was paying attention. It's not that I wasn't paying attention. I was paying attention, but even in health classes, it was like, here's a banana. And this is how you put a condom on. And like, and then you have a period and don't talk about it and put the tampon in your sleeve and make sure people don't see it. And, and oh, God forbid, if you bleed through your pants, like it's the end of the world. And I just partly of what I want to do with this podcast this year is talk more about these things, because I know that the questions that I've had in the past me, means that other people have had the same questions that we are all maybe, maybe not all, but a majority of us who identify as women have experienced this where we have been silenced around our period, or we are, are expected to still perform at the same level when we are bleeding than when we're not. And mm -hmm. that to me is damaging. And I have wholeheartedly <laughs> been looking at my calendar, especially in the past year, as I've found somebody to help me kind of heal around my own cycle and, and um, do ancestral work around that as well. Looking and seeing, okay, when is my cycle expected to come and what do I have planned? Can I move it around? Can I take time for true, true rest? Because through that rest is proper detoxification, which I feel like not enough women have that language that 
when you're bleeding, it's a gift and your body is doing its job. Your body is quite literally removing toxins. And we can look at that physically, but to me doing my work, it can be emotionally and it can be mentally and energetically as well. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. I always say maybe an unpopular opinion, but these days, and I'm actually so grateful for like my first day of my cycle is my favorite day. Mm. And it's because, I mean, I've had to do a lot of healing too. I used to have very painful periods. I'm here to say it's possible to have pain-free natural periods. Mm. Um, I do still experience cramps and some fatigue as well. But, uh, but the first day of my cycle, it's almost like I'm forced, I have no control almost, it feels like, of following my creativity and just doing what I want to do. It's it's like I just want to roll on my yoga mat or color or write or read and drink tea and soup. And it just feels really automatic, like those creative self-care practices, which really just comes in very strongly on the first day of my cycle. Yeah, there's so much medicine, I feel like, to explore in our own bodies. And I used to want to have no period. The less period, the better. And that, to me, looking back, there's so much to unpack there. And I feel like what you said not too long ago about the being on the pill is not a real period. I feel like some people might not understand that too. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So I am not a doctor, um, (laughs) but what I understand, (laughs) let me just say that. Same. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, What I understand is that the pill almost tricks your body into, it's like you don't have a natural period. And it tricks your body's hormones into bleeding, but it's not the true period. And so that's why when people do transition off of birth control, it could take a month or a few months to get your natural period back. Um, and, And so, yeah, when I found that out, I was like, wait, I haven't been naturally bleeding. This has been like a a forced kind of situation. Um, and, and I do want to speak to women that don't want to have their periods. And, and I think everyone, every woman has their prerogative of how they want to be in relationship with their body, how they want to be in relationship with their period, um, like more power to anyone in whatever route they want to take. And, and I just, encourage the the question as you said too of what is there to unpack why don't I want to have my period mm-hmm. um and and just excavating there and then moving forward in whatever direction feels best for you yeah I feel like for at least you know the community that I grew up in the a lot of the language was it's dirty and it's gross and don't talk about it and it's something to be ashamed of so then if I didn't have my period then I wasn't dirty or I didn't have anything to be ashamed of and then I fixed the problem because my period was seen as a problem and I know I'm not alone in that but I do love how you said like it's your prerogative like whatever works for you is what works for you and I think a lot of people 
too, when, when there is this, because I feel like this is a little bit of a controversial topic, like, especially when we talk about the pill, people say, well, what can I do then? Like, how do I not have babies? <laughs> how do I, like, what do you mm-hmm. want me to do? And there are, there are other things, but I think you just have to weigh, you have to weigh like what works for you against what doesn't and, and not listen to me and not listen to anybody else. Like you have to listen to your own intuition. And I just want to say like, right now we're just talking about our experiences and some of our opinions, not all, some of our opinions. And yes, which by the way, I definitely thought I could just get pregnant all the time. I did too. At one point. Yeah. I had no, no education about the fertile window. No, (laughs) no, not. I mean, I didn't really understand until like a few years ago. Yeah. I still have questions, you know? Yes. (laughs) Yes. 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 So it's so real. This episode is brought to you by the Own Your Intuition group mentorship beginning on April 22nd, 2021. You'll join a small community of like-minded women in Sacred Circle twice a month for six months. If you're looking to become more confident in yourself, honor your gifts and your intuitive abilities, join me. People who have joined the mentorship in the past have learned new language about intuition and spirit, and for the first time in their lives, they've felt supported to bring parts of themselves forward to speak and to be seen and felt so much more connected to their inner wisdom and spiritual guidance than when they started. If you can carve out some time each week to sit with your soul and have some fun with other spiritual seekers and myself, there are a couple spaces left for you to join us. Head to kellyrichintuitive.com to secure your space. There is now a monthly payment option available. See you soon. You know, we were on a call a few weeks ago and you were talking about, I wrote it down. We were talking about mental health and normalizing mental health and saying like, I'm in a dark place. You know, I'm not okay. This isn't okay. And I feel like I want to have a conversation about just about that and how you feel like we can normalize mental health. Yeah, I've been super passionate around the mental health conversation these days. I myself have had a history of depression. I've been on antidepressants in the past. And um, and 2020 ha- had introduced me to anxiety very, <laughs> very well. Anxiety became a, a new friend. Um, and in the onset of my depression that I worked through back in uh, 2012, 2013 around then part of the evolution of my depression was that I wouldn't talk about anything like I things that were happening in my life I would be like well my parents are alive I have all my limbs I have a roof over my head like my problems didn't matter like there were bigger problems in the world And so continuing to not acknowledge my problems, that my problems in my life weren't a big deal because people had it worse off than I, manifested into this deep depression. Um, And so I had, you know, some episodes that were very scary that led me to do an outpatient program and I got on antidepressants and I was, that was such a crossroad in my life because I was so determined 
to not be in that dark place anymore. Like I had a huge wake up call and I was like, I just don't want to go there. And I'm so actually grateful for that moment as scary as it was because it drove me to get help and I was willing to do anything and everything. And that's what led me to be a yoga teacher too. But in that education, I learned how to name emotions Like I'm feeling anger, I'm feeling sad, I'm feeling lonely, I'm feeling frustrated. And I learned to identify my emotions and I learned to not compare my problems, my stories, my situation to other people because my problems are my problems and it's all relative, right, to to our individual lives. So... These days in my adult life, I'm very okay with saying that I'm not okay (laughs) and where I need help. And I'm very quick to voice when I am in a dark place because I learned if I don't do that, how it can manifest um, into something deeper. So I'm very much of the belief of how important it is to normalize and, and have these conversations for our own healing and and being honest with our friends and our family, but also seeking professional help as well, having a third party like a therapist or something to support you, um, and and being able to be confident in setting boundaries with other people. Like when I know I'm in a dark place, being confident and able to say that and to say when I can't hold other people um, and when I can, but that's, that's been my relationship. Yeah. With, with mental health these days. Yeah. Naming our emotions is, I feel like it's an art in itself. Sometimes it's so overwhelming to feel our feelings and then to label it or to name it means that we've got to become intimate with what we're feeling. To, to truthfully label how we're feeling, I guess, and our emotions is we've got, we've got to even unpack our unwillingness to feel because sometimes there is that loneliness and that anger and it's there, but we're, we're kind of like, Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine though. Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you're talking about. Nope. I'm good. And I don't know about you, but when I see people online really being truthful with their experience, it makes me feel less alone. It feels like there is this unspoken permission to just experience all that I'm experiencing, especially in 2020 with the whole collective change and and shift. I'm definitely not a fan of like complaining, like just people that complain all the time. Like that's not, those counts aren't really for me that I feel like that's different than sharing. Hi. Okay. This is real. I was going to share this perfectness today. And instead I've decided that I'm going to tell you what's really going on. That to me is, is so brave in a world that tells you that it's not okay to do that or that you should be ashamed to do that. And my question is, do you have advice for anybody that is 
kind of trying to work through their emotions and their feelings and learning to, to name them? Like what would be a, something that they can do to, to learn that language? Mm-hmm. Well, I think finding an outlet um, is helpful so that it's not so internalized myself too. And I don't know if you can relate. I am such an overthinker. Oh my gosh. Like sometimes I wish I could just take my brain out of my head and like set it down and just not have any cognitive function for a little bit. I'm such an overthinker. And so I think not internalizing it so much. So whether it's journaling or, or whether it's art or singing or whatever the thing is that that allows it to come out of your body, like land the thoughts on something, whether it is written word or art. Um, And of course, again, I recommend professional help or a therapist or a trusted uh, family or friend that um, has a capacity and space to, to listen. Um, But yeah, I think that would be my, my first point of action is establishing your support system and finding an outlet so as not to internalize it so much and not getting hung up on, oh, I can't heal unless I name my emotions and figure that out. <laughs> um, Cause then we can overthink that. Right. So it's like, as you said too, just feeling, feeling your emotions and um, gosh, I always feel so great when I end up crying or something comes out during yoga or breath work. Cause I'm like, yeah, something's being processed in my physical body that I might not be aware of in my mind. Sometimes if I cry and I'm not sure why, right? Or I'm upset and I'm not sure why. But it's it's also trusting in your emotions, not judging yourself like, why am I crying right now? I don't know. Um, but letting it, like feel it through, um, I think can be helpful too. Totally. And the thing about therapists and therapy I really feel like we need to normalize like saying I have a therapist yeah and not feeling ashamed about it like we don't even have to go in my opinion we don't even have to go to a therapist because we are feeling shitty like we can go to a therapist just because it it's healthy to have Mm -hmm. that unbiased opinion or space holder for whatever we're experiencing as it comes up and I would say every human probably needs a therapist at some point in their, in their lives. And if you feel like you, maybe you've had the calling, those of you listening to reach out for help in that way, I would say, listen to it. You know, don't, don't think twice, especially when it comes to feeling your feelings. Cause I know with my experience, like there was a time in my life in my early twenties where the floodgates just opened. Like I felt almost too much, not almost, I felt too much at once and I needed help. I needed different, actually different types of help to kind of get me to a place where I could start naming my emotions and feeling my feelings, even if I didn't know exactly what I was feeling. And as you said, like sometimes things just come up and we don't know what they are or what we're processing or when it, when that trauma was that's now being resurfaced. And I would say we don't have to, we don't have to attach to what's coming up. And I would say for most people, it's best that way. You don't have to attach a story to what you're experiencing. That to me was a game changer. When you're taught, when you talk about living with the seasons and honoring times of life and doshas will shift gears a little bit. How do you feel that can help us to 
you know, the, the, the question of finding balance, I'm trying to find new language around what that really means, because to me, balance is this never ending quest that we might taste it for a moment, but then it's fleeting again. And that we're always kind of coming back to this, to this point, at least when we're on the quest of, of finding true balance. So (laughs) for a lack of better words, how do you feel like living with the seasons and paying attention to the doshas can help us to find balance, even in this emotional way that we're talking about or this mental way that we're talking about? I think coming back to the idea of simplistic practices, and I find Ayurveda and my whole education of Ayurveda has mostly, has mostly been an unlearning process. Right. In our Western world, we spoke a little bit about quick fixes. Right. And I think that we can tend to overcomplicate things and and to actually pause and think, wait, hot water is medicine. (laughs) Putting oil on my body is going to help me like, wait, these simple practices are going to help me. But what about pills? What about this? What about that? So. I think that there is an unlearning that happens an unraveling of the overcomplications we can do. And then the new learning is remembering our mirroring and relationship to nature. And so I always like to remind people that, you know, the five elements of ether, air, fire, water, and earth, we see them clearly in nature. We see space, we see air moving, we see the sun, we see um, water, we see soil as earth. And these elements are translated within us. We have space in our body, like our intestines, air, we have our heart beating and blinking of the eyes and the movement of elimination, fire as our digestive file, fire and bile and enzymes. We are also mostly made of water and earth as our, our physicality. So if we can think about, oh, I am nature. I am the five elements. So I am a, a mirror, a reflection of the macro. I am a reflection of what's happening outside. So being able to expand our lens, I think, to to see the doshas at play, even just simply like letting go of your identity, but just simply noticing nature's rhythm and and watching how fall, how easily, right, the the trees just let go of the leaves and start to dry out and noticing what's, what's happening there in winter, how there is a quiet and darker days and like, Oh, it feels like time. There's more time for rest. Why am I tired at 8 PM? Let's not fight it. Let's embrace it. Um, and spring light starting to come back again. There's a lot of bitter greens coming out of the earth that are helping to shed the heaviness from winter time. And, and then summer, right? The bounty of fresh vegetables and fruit and light and tapping into that that energy so for me looking at the relationship and rhythm of nature and understanding how it's affected me and how I can coincide with that right like winter time I'm in bed early I don't want to do much summertime I'm like loving late sunsets (laughs) um and so 
I think that when we can follow the rhythms of nature, we'll be in more rhythm with ourselves. And one clear example I find is I'm very lucky I live in LA right now. And sunsets are like always a big event here. (laughs) Yes. And anytime I do make sure to catch a sunset, I feel tired after. And it's like actually seeing and watching nature's nature's going to bed. You know, I can feel that reflected within me. So, yeah, I find observing nature and seeing how it's translating within us can be a really helpful practice in a simple way that has profound impact. I feel like, you know, even what you're talking about is work for some of us that have ingrained in us that our worth is, is attached to kind of going against this innate wisdom that's all around us, that staying up past sunset and working till 2 a.m. is for the hustlers and the successful people. And I'm just so far over, I'm beyond over that. I really am. I'm just like, like insert eye roll. Yes. (laughs) I think Dr. Claudia Welch is great at, at really getting this point across too, of like the importance of, of rest is just as important as the importance of doing and coming to terms with that. Yes. She, she asks uh, like, what is our relationship to doing nothing and to feeling heavy and dull and sticky, which are part of the 20 qualities in Ayurveda that are necessary in order to find balance, such as being light and mobile. Um, but if someone were to describe you as heavy and dull and sticky, it's like, what's the feeling there? Uh, and so, yeah, reframing our relationship to remembering how both are, are needed. It definitely ties back to when we were talking about the menstrual cycle too. Like the cycles mm-hmm. are everywhere. There's wisdom everywhere. Do you have any advice on resources or where people could kind of take this to the next step if they were wanting to? Yeah. So Dr. Claudia Welch, um, she has a book, Balance Your Hormones, Balance Your Life, which is like my woman's Bible. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's one of those books that you don't have to read front to back. You can just pick it up and find the chapter that you're working with. And so much wisdom and support if you're um, a person who menstruates in particular or identifies as a woman and would like to learn more about how your body's working. Um, We have to take that education into our own hands because the mainstream is not going to do it for us. No. (laughs) Yeah. That's for sure. And and then, yeah, I just recommend like watching nature, just self-study and, and noticing what's, what's there to be learned that day. Totally. Is there anything else you want to share? Maybe like where people can find you or any final bits of wisdom? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram at ayurvedagirl underscore, and my website is rhythmofsimplicity.com. And yeah, I share Ayurveda for yoga teachers and Ayurvedic mentorship for those wanting to integrate Ayurveda into their lives who maybe don't want to be an Ayurvedic health counselor or go to Ayurveda school um, and, and offering seasonal transition support too, which I just think is really powerful, beautiful stuff. 
And yeah, I guess just, just a final piece is, is honoring what's, what's present for you and just taking note of your body and, and noticing when there are emotions coming up and looking at where you're at in your cycle, because I'll tell you what, like seven days before my period, my mind is not okay in, in many ways, in many ways. And I tend to have an existential crisis, like clockwork, um, once a month <laughs> around that time. So I have to remind myself, oh, it's not just about my life circumstances. I'm at this point in my cycle where I'm probably going to feel this way. Mm-hmm. Um, so just just remembering, yeah, how our relationship to our cycle can show up in different parts of our lives. So important. Thank you so much, Justine. Appreciate you being here. Thank you. I'm truly honored to have you a part of this growing community. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode on the Own Your Intuition podcast. To schedule your next one-on-one session or register for an upcoming event, training, course, or retreat with me, go to my website, kellyrichintuitive.com. If you learned or got something from today's show, be sure to subscribe, leave a five-star review, share with your loved ones, and I'll catch you next week for a fresh episode.